Hey Zen friends, welcome to Crazy Zen Life. I'm your host, Brittany Swan. And I'm your host, Shannon Kessler. Join us as we navigate life on and off our yoga mats. This is a podcast about mom life, boss life, and body life. Real conversations about self-discovery and the journey of becoming more mindful in this crazy Zen life. On a scale of one to 10, how ready are you for school to start? 27. <laughs> 20 <laughs> freaking seven. I mean, it's bad. Yeah. It's the three dynamic at my house. So that's what's really plaguing me and my emotions. I mean, you're going from man to man to zone defense. Like, that's exhausting. It is you have exhausting. To carry that all the time? All the time. Can't all the time. do that. And I give major props to however your dynamic works in your house. Maybe you have one kid. Maybe you have six. I don't know. But however you're making that work, whether you're working, whether you're staying at home, whether you're shuffling to camps or whatever, summer is hard. Mm-hmm. It's no longer about you. I think I eat worse in the summer. Because it's grab and go. Grab- like, everything <laughs> is a grab and go situation. I mean, I've eaten more cereal bars this summer than I think I have my entire life. Pop-tarts. And I was a poor college child. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, corn dogs. Oh, I've eaten Pop-tarts. my weight in Pop Tarts this summer for sure. I mean, shit. Yeah, I'm waiting for them to go back to school so I can get back on regulating my I know. digestion and. I don't everything. think I've had one piece of kale this whole summer. <laughs> Who am I? Who are you? But no, Pop Tarts over kale. We have this one this sad girl? package of arugula just growing things <laughs> that in our we bought like June first. <laughs> yeah, I'm like still. Are gonna be so healthy? No, no, stop it. <gasps> Oh. And I, and that's what I would like love like like summer bodies like no like no it does not happen mm-hmm. like no it is summer survival right fittest exactly yes by the opposite of fit like yeah. <laughs> by the fittest I'm like oh I ate a lot of ketchup that day <laughs> there's <Yes>. my tomatoes <laughs> what <laughs> yay but school yeah. is coming yes and I get really excited about this. Yeah. Okay, so... And it is bittersweet. Yeah. Growing up, I loved back-to-school shopping. Mm. You get your new clothes. You get to go and you get all, like, the, you know, you go to the supply store. You get all the school supplies. It's great. As a parent, I can't stand back-to-school shopping. Like, our school does this cool thing where you can pre-order all your supplies at, the like, the last day of school so that you just write the check... And then this magic box of supplies shows up into your classroom on your first or your orientation day or whatever it is. And you just unpack all Which the things. Which is genius. So smart. I really just, I'm going to insert applause here for yes. the person that came up with this. And you know it's a mom. She was like, fuck this. I got a better way to do because this. Because everyone has like, you know, <laughs> stipulations on what they want in right. the class. Which I've never understood that either. But I guess there's a method to the madness. I don't ask questions. You just yeah. get it. Do you, I mean, seriously. It's like 76 boxes of tissue at some point. And you're like, wow, that many runny noses, huh? I'm sure they are. Again, I'm mm-hmm. not a teacher. I bet you do go through 76 boxes of tissue. But damn. Well, based on our toilet paper consumption, I feel like it's probably one to one. Yeah. You know, that's probably true. So that part of back to school shopping, I like the clothes shopping. That's fun. But the supply shopping, I mean, as an adult, I'm like, wow, this is a lot. But. The box is great. The box is great. So I'm like, this is, you know, that step is, or that little box is checked off the list. But man, we got to start getting into like summer back to school mode and get schedules and like all the things. How's your bedtime? How's your bedtime uh, worked out over the summer? Oh. It's just all over the place. It's all over the place. I mean, I told them one night they were going to bed at 830 and you would have thought, they were like, it's summer. What are you doing? And I'm like, well, here's the thing. I'm tired, and I would like to go to bed before 11 o'clock. And I don't feel like we've done that at all this summer. So I'm going to bed at 9. I don't trust either of you to put yourselves to bed. So (laughs) go. You don't have to go to sleep. I just need to be done with you Mm -hmm. for the day. And I'm checking out at 830. I love you both. Brush your teeth. Go to bed. I don't care what you do after I leave. But I'm going to sleep. I'm like, okay. Right. Here's no. a, and here's another thing, too. Ours are, like, not in bed any time before 10 sometimes. I mean, I, I, I'm i saying, like, it is bad. And especially with, I have a three-year-old who's, like, 30. And so it is getting them to lay down and close their eyes is so hard. And then they wake up with the sun. Yeah. All right, my kids, the after 4th of July, we went to bed super duper late. Like, Good. past midnight, probably. I don't even know. It felt like 3 o'clock in the morning. It wasn't, but it felt that way. My kids still get up 
7.30. I'm like, seriously? You, you couldn't even give me to like 7.45, maybe 8 o'clock. Just throw I, I, mommy an 8 o'clock bone. At something. some point. At some point. That's I'm bullshit. Like, dang. No, my kids, I woke up at like 10.30 that day. They were done. They were D-O-N-E. Yeah. I also look forward to, I don't look forward to the rise and wake of school. Like, that's really hard. Yeah. Especially that first week, getting them back in the swing of things. I mean, that's six. What time does your alarm go off? Like six, six fifteen. Mine goes off at six just so I can have some, a good 30-minute me time before they get up. But I get my kids out of bed around 6.40. And then we're out of the house oh, you have Illinois by 7.20. Year. Yeah. Illinois. But she was, I mean, she would like to be up when her sister was up last year. Because if not, she would go all day without seeing her. And that was, she enjoyed her day more. If she got to see her sister. So gotcha. Like, okay. So I don't think it's going to be that much of a transition for Eleanor. Ruby Jane will be fine. I mean, she just, you tell her she has to be up and she's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's that like? I mean, every, every whine, every snarl, every, ugh, I yeah. hear it. Why do I have to do this so early? Oh my God. I mean, it's, it's so bad at my house. Yeah. My kids are not morning people. I know. Like when they come over and they ride the bus or carpool with us i mean there are definitely mornings where i'm like oh this is a non-talk to the boys day right. got it they're like mission and actually they don't even say they just give me a shake and i'm like got it i see you i respect you in the car which is so funny because i am such a morning person yeah. when i wake up i am like the sun is here let's do the day and they are like get away get out of my face woman <laughs> out my face get my face so i guess we're very excited yeah and and then CZL will have more of a schedule too. We've yes. been all we've just patchworked this together. This has been the craziest game of Tetris we have ever played. <laughs> we just tried to get it to pieces, get it to get. We did it, but we did it. Touch and five go. that touch and go though. We touch and go. Yeah, but this is um, the episode that you guys are going to hear today with Eric Wood is fantastic. We recorded this a couple weeks ago in the summer, and this was before. You know, we took some time off to go do our things. Um, so it's a, it's a really fun episode. Eric's a really great guy. We've, Super inspirational. Yes. Really enjoyed talking to him. He's great for a, motivation. Mm-hmm, an awesome podcast called What's Next. So you guys are going to hear a lot about Eric, a lot about his journey, and a lot about what's next. Enjoy. We're in the studio again, and we've got a guy. I, I love guy days. I do too. They're so fun. It's just it's good just shaking it up. Shake the shit up. Doing some fun things this summer. We are. Like bringing guys into the studio. Yeah, bringing the guys. So fun. <laughs> so welcome CZL community, Mr. Eric Wood. Woo! Woo! This is when we insert studio applause. Yes. There it is. Yes, sometimes mm-hmm. it's us, sometimes it's us. <laughs> sometimes we do find a clip and I'm like, insert. So if you're not familiar with who Eric Wood is, he is a ex, what should I say, ex, ex yeah, pro former. bowler? Former. Former. The former, yeah. good. former mm-hmm. okay, former. Yeah. Still working on the lingo. <laughs> ex is fine as well. <laughs> um, pro professional football player. And now just do moving on to what's next. And yeah, so really quickly, run through your stats, Mr. Eric Wood. My stats, so I played nine years with the Buffalo Bills. Um, all with the Bills, played for the Louisville Cardinals before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an offensive lineman, you don't get a lot of stats. Your stats are actually like negatives, generally. <laughs> Penalties, sacks given up, whatever it may be. Mm. Um, but had had a fun career with the Bills. Very fortunate to play for all one team, which is extremely rare in the NFL. Um, I was a captain for three years, should have been five. Um, in the middle of that run, we had a coach come in that said, we're not going to have permanent captains, although we had a few of us that were already captains still on the team and then were captains after. Uh, and the only reason I'm mad about that is if you've seen on the jerseys, they have those patches with the stars. Mm-hmm. I should have gotten the full gold patch, which is five years oh, as a captain okay. of a, not of the same team. Okay. And I should have that, but I didn't. So that kind of chaps me a little bit, but yeah, it's all I, good. That's probably, I mean, that's tricky to do in this sport. I mean, the fact that you played from 2009 to 2018 for the same team just blew my mind. When I'm doing my, I'm like, dang, you can go anywhere. Which is rare, too, because we stunk so bad. I actually had seven (laughs) head coaches, two were interims, but seven head coaches in nine years. Oh, my gosh. So there was only two of us that made that entire run together. Mm -hmm. Because when a new coach comes in, he's got guys he likes. Right. Because every coach in the NFL just gets recycled. Mm -hmm. And so... They have coaches. They have players that they played that played for them that they like. They bring mm-hmm. them in, mm-hmm. so it takes a lot to like stick with each team. And I'm not 
bragging on myself. I was fortunate too that, you know. Well, a lot plays into that probably, like your attitude, your commitment, your loyalty, your coachability. You know, coachability. Yeah. Are you coachable? Yeah, and being realistic, like at first when you're a first rounder, they can't cut you for a few years or it's terrible financially. Mm-hmm. And then I got extended on a front loaded contract. So financially, again, they couldn't really cut me. And then I did it again, which is part having a good agent and seeing long term and not saying, I didn't really care about having the huge headline like, oh, I signed this mm-hmm. 10-year, $100 million contract that like doesn't necessarily mean anything because you're only going to see two years of it. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, okay, so you played offensive line. You were a center. Yep. Is that right? So all your whole career, that's – were you that in college as well? In college, I played every game in college at center, freshman year on, started every game at UofL. And then when the Bills drafted me, they drafted me in the first round and put me at guard for a year and a half. And um, and then a buddy of mine was playing center, one of my best friends still to this day. He was playing center. He got hurt. I was hurt at the time. And they said, hey, if you come back, we'll let you play center. And I said, okay, I'll come back and play center. And after that game, my buddy was like, dude, you just got me cut. <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, no, 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 it'll be fine. And I never I never left the spot, and they cut him that next offseason. So was it, like, did you find it hard to transition, or were you like, dude, I'm in the NFL, I'll do whatever you ask me to do? Right. Um, it was different playing guard because I had never done it. But, you know, like anything, it was a fun challenge. Like, it, it kind of energized me mentally to, like, okay, I'm going to attack this. I'm going to be the best guard I can possibly be. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I, know, I know you all have not played offensive line. It's not that hard to switch positions, but there are certain nuances that like take years to try and master. So I, I felt like if I stayed at guard, I could have been a pretty good guard, but I had so much experience at center, I really wanted to go back there. And I felt like it, it um, fit my skill set. And then even for non-football fans, like the center kind of runs the show at the line, and that's how always how I like to do it. And it was uncomfortable for me to go up to the line of scrimmage and let someone else do that. Like I would rather just take all the blame, but let me get us on the right page or try to. Right. Like, I would rather that just be on me than on somebody else. Now, this is, <laughs> I'm going to go back to UofL for that question, but do you feel like you had that same mentality, like, in the classroom? Like, if you were in a group project, you're like, no, no, no I got this. <laughs> yeah, generally. And, uh, which, is, I don't know why this story I can't just... see you being, like, meek and mild. No, no, and no, no, no. You're like, I got this, guys. Hold on. <laughs> I remember in college one time I had a, I took a sports administration class as an elective, and uh, I'll try and get my buddies who were in this uh, group with me to listen to this because they'll get a kick out of me telling the story. (laughs) So I took it in as an elective. I was a political science major, but in the summer, I didn't have a car, so my roommates were taking this elective, and I'm like, okay, if I want to ride to class, I'll just take the same class as them. That would be perfect. And um, so Gary Barnage and Brett Ogiacomini, who both played nine years in the NFL with me, uh, Brett played ten. Um, we, we do this project and it was three parts and I was like, you guys just knock out these parts. I'll knock out this part and we'll just kind of staple it all together, put it in a file and put it in. And the morning it was due, they sent it to me and it was awful. (laughs) Like theirs was terrible. And so I went up to the teacher and I said, Hey, I don't want to embarrass these guys, which I did. I told them how bad it was. I told her, I was like, I don't want to embarrass them, but like, I cannot turn this in right now. Like, the graph that Gary did was on a piece of loose leaf, and he, like, drew it in pencil. And, like, (laughs) Breno's part was, like, all one paragraph with no punctuation. And um, so, (laughs) yes, I like to take the reins on projects as well. I could totally say, like, loose leaf, like, ripping off the edges. It's probably got, like, a coffee stain or, like, a ring on it. Oh, it was was absolutely awful. And they probably probably assumed that I would do that anyways. Maybe they did. Oh, the secrets come out. They're probably right. like shaking their They're head. Like, yep. oh, right. Yeah, he's, he's on to us. Twenty years yeah, later, <laughs> dang it, he knew it. He knew not it. Not twenty. I'm not that old. <laughs> oh shit! Now it's right. I know, right? I it know. feels like it was twenty years ago. It was no, it was. It was fourteen though, which is yeah. crazy. Oh, that is, oh, oh, well, oh. I aged myself well, m- numerous times. I graduated college in '01, so I got some years on it. Um, <laughs> but I, I did when I was doing some research. Um, I was like, man, you played with some of my favorite Clemson players, C.J. Spiller, Sammy Watkins, Jonathan Meeks. And I always love when I see a a Tiger in the NFL because when I went to Clemson, we were terrible. Like, I was there during the Bowden years. It was awful. 97 through 01, not many victories, a lot of heartache, a lot of tears. So anytime I see him in the NFL now, I'm like, you can do it. There's great things. But watching those players come into the NFL and seeing, you know, them bring – 
what they've learned on you know in college to the NFL was really neat. Like, what did you learn from U of L that you got to bring with you to the NFL? First off, I played with a ton of Clemson guys, and they were always <laughs> awesome. And I went to Clemson this past year to do a pregame show, and it was the first time I've ever been down there. And the night before, CJ still living in town, so me and him went out to eat, and we went to. Um, I'll blank on the restaurant, but it was this super crowded restaurant. I walk in, I say, uh, hey, we need a table for two of us. And they're like, it's the night before a game. This has been booked for months. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm just waiting on a, a buddy of mine. Is the reservation under CJ Spiller? And they're like, oh, CJ, he does not need a table. He does not need a reservation. I am so sorry. Um, so that was my one experience with Clemson, and they treat their former players extremely well down there. But as far as stuff that I brought from U of L with me to the pros, I played for Bobby Petrino at U of L, who was an extremely demanding coach, mm -hmm. and um, he had an excellent staff underneath him. Which now those guys are littered around the NFL and through college, and they're, you know, Jeff Brom's the head coach at Purdue, his brother's the head coach at Idaho, and there's guys all over the NFL. It's it's pretty crazy, but. Um, I learned so much from those guys, and I, I only started my senior year of high school in football. I oh, played really? a lot of basketball, and um, so I was kind of a sponge, and they could mold me into whatever. I didn't come in with a lot of bad habits, and eventually I, I took that as a blessing. Yeah. You know, I had height and size and athleticism, and they could just mold me into whatever techniques, and I didn't have all this junk that I needed to unlearn like a lot of guys did. And so... Um, a lot of that stuff and the work ethic um, that Petrino instilled in us and um, you know I was four minutes late to your house and I shot you an email beforehand like I'm so sorry I'm gonna be running late like generally I'm always early to things and that came from Bobby Petrino he always used to say if you're not 10 minutes early you're late mm -hmm. and like that's still something that just carries with me mm -hmm. um, you know and as this is a probably a non-traditional guys podcast you'll get a kick out of this so I, I um, went down to one of our team meetings in the morning before a game. We had a night game, so it's early in the morning. Maybe 8 a.m. we have a team meeting. And I just rolled out of bed at like 7.40 and just went downstairs. And Bobby was like, you tired, Eric? And I was like, a little bit. He goes, it looks like it. He goes, with your hair and your face, you need to take a shower before you come to anything because you look terrible. Well, like, oh now God. to this day, like, I'm always like, man, I better not show up looking, like, extremely tired because, like, my, my hair, like, will be, like, sitting sideways with, like, I'm sure it was even bigger, you know, I had, like, an afro at the time, you know, not a huge one, but, you know. And uh, I was like, man, that's good advice, you know. Well, I'm glad well, that you took it as good advice because I, I like, think if we would have heard that, we'd be like, oh my god, what's he like? What's wrong with my face? <laughs> yeah, he's like, you just look so tired in the morning. I'm like, oh, there you go. So take a cold shower or something. Right. Okay, <laughs> wake up, freshen um, up. There we go. <laughs> so going back a little bit more. So you just said that you entered into football your senior year of high school. What were you playing before that? Well, I played. I just did. I was on the team. I just didn't start. Oh, and, okay. Uh, I played at a really good high school, elder high school in Cincinnati, and we won state championship my junior and senior year. And I played, I played, I just wasn't like a star. I played tight end, and um, but there was always college coaches there recruiting guys on our team. And so my going into my senior year, Jeff Brom, who was at Louisville, came in, came up to me. He's like, "Why, why don't you play more? Why aren't you a better player?" And I'm like, I don't know. I guess I played too much basketball this offseason, so they're not giving me a lot of playing time and this and that. And he's like, man, I think you should put on some weight and play football. That same summer, I went down to Wake Forest, who was number one in basketball at the time. They had Chris Paul. Mm -hmm. And I go down for their basketball league. Um, one of the guys on our team, Thomas Sander, ended up playing at Davidson, but he was a McDonald's All-American candidate. He got invited down. Skip Prosser is also from Cincinnati. He was their coach. So me and Thomas go down, and we're at this – at this deal a bunch of guys from our team went down and i think i'm having this awesome day skip prosser pulls me aside at night and i'm like oh, man i know he's not going to offer me a scholarship like to the number one team in the country but maybe a preferred walk-on whatever it may be and he's like hey i think you should play football he's like you had a really good day but like the way you move and your size your shoulders are so at the time i was 200 pounds i was 6'4 200 pounds he's like but your shoulders are so wide i bet you could put on some weight and play football i was like I think people are trying to tell me right. something. You know, I need to take this football thing a lot mm -hmm. more serious. That I love that. I mean, because mm -hmm. okay, so you fast forward, you end up going to U of L, starting all four four years, and then get drafted first round. Like, did you in a million years even think that was going to happen, or were you like, dang, what? 
No, I had one scholarship offer, and that was the University of Louisville. They offered me after a basketball game my senior year. So the football season goes all the way through, no scholarship <laughs> offers. Then I'm playing <laughs> basketball, and Louisville's football coaches come to the basketball game, and I told our basketball coach at the time, I said, don't take me out of this game. Like, i got to try and get a scholarship, and I'm just going to bust my tail. And so after the game, they're like, hey, we want to offer you a scholarship. Um we have an official visit this weekend. I looked at my dad like, oh, I guess I'll just commit right now. He's like, we've never even been to Louisville. Let's go down there this weekend. <laughs> I'm like, well, what if they get my scholarship? Well, I only got one. Yeah. I'll just take it. I don't <laughs> care. I don't care. And um, so we went down there that weekend, and I committed to UofL. Uh, but we, I used to joke with my buddies all the time. Um, I'm like, when, once I got that scholarship, I was like, you know, I might one day be able to be on the Bengals practice squad, and you can make like $90,000 practicing football. I was like, how cool would that be? And then to fast forward and be a first rounder, it's it's crazy. And sometimes, um, you know, it's always you're always thinking about what's next in life. And you, a lot of times, you don't stop and smell the roses. Well, towards the end of my career, I lived about five minutes from the stadium uh, when I was with the Bills. And in the mornings, I would drive in. And it's pitch black, and the stadium lights would be on, and I could see them for about three minutes. And every morning, I drive in silent mm-hmm. and just have my gratitude drive. And I would like literally be like almost pinch myself every morning like you get to go work in an nfl facility you have job security like there's so many guys on the team that are going to walk in there today and say are they going to take my playbook and tell me to go upstairs like you're not getting cut today you're a captain like internalize that before you walk in the building and i would get in and and um our strength coaches would be in the locker room they weigh you in every single morning and uh i would go in there and start messing with them and and they're like how much sleep did you get last night i'm like (laughs) Probably not, you know, maybe not as much as I wanted, but it doesn't matter. Like, I am extremely grateful to walk in this door this morning. And I wish I would have done it my entire career. Sometimes it takes perspective. I'd gotten hurt so many times prior um, throughout my career that I I ended up becoming a lot more appreciative of just being out on the field and all that. Um, But it was cool that I got that perspective, at least towards the end of my career. That's awesome. That is amazing. Coming back with perspective. You did have a career-ending injury. Talk to us about that, and then talk to us, like, how long did it take you to find perspective with that? Yeah, so I'll, let me rewind first. Mm-hmm. So my rookie year, I break. I had never gotten hurt at UofL. I started 49 straight games. Like my Is that a record? Uh, I feel like that might be a record. No. I know. I mean, like, I feel like there should be a plaque somewhere. Right. No. Um, we missed a bowl game my junior and senior year. Had we made bowl games, okay. then I probably could have. Mm. Um but so my rookie year, I go in and break my leg in half, Joe Theismann style. Oh. So, so break my leg in half oh my down God. in Jacksonville, stay there, get go from the field to an ambulance because they were worried about my arteries and my leg to an ambulance, straight into trauma surgery, stay down there for four days. Um, so that was terrible. My second year in the league, I get a high ankle sprain, missed two weeks, but then I came back early from that. That's when I got to play center. My third year, we go down to Dallas, and I do ACL, PCL, lateral meniscus. And then my fourth year, I tear my MCL on my other knee. So my first four years, I'm like this first round. I'm, I'm, I, I wouldn't internally. I was worried about being called a bust. You know, mm-hmm. you know, we spent a first round on this guy, and you know, he's hurt every single year. And I'm like, I'm not injury prone. It's not like I have a bad back walking around. People are falling into my legs. Like, every one of them, besides the ACL, I got pushed in the back on an interception. I just planted weird. Well, it's like, it was just one, it was bad luck. Mm-hmm. So I signed a, a contract that was incentive-driven on playing time because I'm like, look, when I am playing, this is how I deserve to be pl- paid. Mm-hmm. If I'm not, then you could take some money away or just not pay me that. Well, then I go on to start the most games in a row of any active center. So it worked out. In 2016, I break my other leg in Seattle on Monday Night Football and flew back with the team that night to Buffalo at, I mean, we landed at 7 in the morning in Buffalo or something. So a six-hour flight home with my leg elevated in the aisle on a piece of luggage. I mean, it was oh terrible. And, um, and then play the next season, and I start every single game. I'm the only player on the team that plays 100% of the snaps. Every player on the team missed snaps except for me, and we make the playoffs for the first time in 17 years. It's like we're on top of the world. We have new coaches. Uh, we're going to draft a quarterback probably in the first round, and it's like everything's going great. And when the season ends, it's January 7th we lose the game 
the eighth, I have my exit physical in Buffalo, and I had a bunch of stingers that year, which is like a neck deal where it shoots pain down your arm, gets some numbness, but they're common in the NFL. I, this was my first year having them, but I had like 20, 30 of them. And so they said, hey, grab an MRI on your neck on the way out of town, and then you can go home. We had a child due like immediately. My wife and daughter were already back in Kentucky waiting on the birth of our son. And I was like, I really don't have time. And like, just go get the MRI and then you can go home. I said, that's fine. Clear me for the Pro Bowl because I don't want this to like be a hang up. The Pro Bowl is in two weeks and or three weeks and I, I'll get out of here. So I get the MRI, head back home. And I and they had kind of given me some hints that, you know, I might need surgery and all this. And I'm thinking, man, another surgery. Here we go again. And I'm sitting in the hospital delivery room on January 11th. My wife's getting induced, so we knew like when it was all coming. And I get a phone call, and my wife's like, just take it, I know. You know, so I, I leave the delivery room and find out my career is over. Uh, there, even with surgery, absolutely no return to play. Um, he's reached out to a bunch of doctors. Now, we, we sought a lot of more opinions after that, but find out my career is over. So walk back in the delivery room. I look at my wife, and she looks at me. I was like, just gave her a thumbs down. Like, it's not good. She starts crying. Then the nurses are like, honey, it's not going to hurt. And she's like, it's not about the baby. <laughs> it's not you about know, this. You know, so it's like so emotional. Well, then our son Garrett's born healthy and everything's kind of fine. But like in the back of our minds, both of our parents are there and we're not telling them. And then, you know, people are trying to make Pro Bowl plans and they're trying to like figure like, okay, so like if the Steelers make the Super Bowl, then we go to the Pro Bowl again and all this. And so finally we had to tell everybody. So it's an immediate out. Like, there's no way you can sit back on the field legally or the NFL is not going to back that. Like, well, because it was such a bad basically, injury. I would never pass a physical. So at C2, C3, I had bone and um, disc into my spinal cord. Like, the MRI has it shows it into it. And I'm lucky that it didn't damage it um, because that's paraplegia and loss of respiratory function. And so... I'm extremely lucky that it wasn't right. worse because yeah. I was just playing reckless towards the end and had no idea. Yes. And um, even with surgery that high, like Peyton Manning had something similar lower and you can fuse it. Well, that high a fusion still doesn't give you the stability. So you would just literally never pass a physical again. Like I could rehab and do it. Eventually I'd get to the point, like I feel better now than I did when I was playing, mm -hmm. which is a weird feeling Yeah, because I don't have any necessary lingering effects in the current state I'm in right now from the injury, but I can't get, I, I would never pass a physical. No one would ever clear me. Wow. Wow. So as it stands today, how, I mean, so you feel really good, mm -hmm. but is the injury, so it's still there. It was, it's never going to go away just under my. Yeah. And, and we chose to not do surgery because I don't have numbness or loss of strength in my arms or anything yet. And, um, but every six months we monitor that. So through six months, looked fine, no big deal. Let's just keep going as planned. Another six months go by and the disc has actually started to pull itself off of the spinal cord. So we're hoping with that track that maybe surgery will not be in my future, at mm -hmm. least not anytime soon, which would be mm -hmm. great. Uh, my wife was like, man, that's an answer to a prayer. We didn't know we could even pray. Like, we just assumed, like, they told me there was a 95% chance in the next three years I would need neck surgery. Now they said there's a 5% chance. Oh, my so, gosh. Which is awesome because where the injury is, they have to go through the back, which you would think going through the back would be an easier surgery than going through your throat. But I guess the rehab, you're in a halo, like, way, way longer in a neck brace going sense. through the back. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's amazing. That is amazing. Do you think getting that news the, in the delivery room, do you think that that helped you kind of, again, gain perspective on getting career-ending news? Yeah, for sure. And, and there's so many things that, like, like I signed a contract extension before the season that ended up making me the highest-paid center. And, you know, based upon the injury, I ended up, like, the next year when I sat out, I had the second highest cap hit of any center in the NFL, <laughs> still, and um, which was last year. And, and I know the Bills did not like that. The, all the GMs, all the front office guys are my buddies, and we would joke about it. They didn't think it was as funny as I did at times. But, <laughs> I, like, yeah, 
You know, if, only, if only you had that extra X amount of bucks, you know, yeah. you guys could have picked up another guy and maybe, maybe had a better season. But, um, but it definitely gave me some perspective. We had just built our dream house in Louisville thinking, hey, for the next five, however many years, we'll spend half the time here. But at least when my career is over, we'll have our permanent spot. Mm-hmm. Well, we had just built that. You know, our, my son was just born. You know, there were so many things that lined up really well. Yeah. Now, have you, did you know that you always wanted to come back to Louisville? Is that where your wife is from? Is that? Yeah, my wife's from here. Okay. I played golf with a guy recently that said, like, he, he's a gynecologist and he's like, there's, it's so funny, like, how few women import to Louisville, but how many Louisville women stay in Louisville and get their out of town husbands here, mm-hmm. which is funny because I'm from the west side of Cincinnati and people say that about the west side of Cincinnati. Like, yeah. you grow up there, you stay there. Mm-hmm. When I first got in the NFL, my thing was I was going to keep training with the college guys because a lot of guys get the NFL and get lazy. And I was like, I want to just keep doing what got me to the NFL. So when when the offseason hits, I'm going to just go back to Louisville and train with the college guys. And, and I really enjoyed that. And I made so many friendships and got to pour into those guys. And they would keep me young. I mean, I was 32 years old, still running sprints with them in the summer, like talking trash with 18-year-olds. <laughs> But it's funny, and we would be like, we'd be on like the boat in the summertime, and like some hip hop song would come on, and my wife would be like, "How do you know this?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, from Don't hanging worry. out with the college." Don't worry, he's kids. I'm like, because four days a week, I go and listen to hip hop music with the right. college guys for yeah. an hour, and and it was always fun. But that that initially got me to start coming back to Louisville. Me and my wife were together when I got in the league. We probably would have came back here, but we may have gone to Cincinnati if I didn't mm-hmm. truly want to train with those guys. Um, but I've grown to love this city. And when I got out of college, I had more connections down here than I did in Cincinnati. And I just felt like it would be very smart for me to stick around here. Yeah. Well, I attest to that because my husband's from out of town. He came here. He stayed. Mm-hmm. Day, stayed down roots. We're not leaving. I know. We're here for life. I've lived here all my life. That's and I love it. My husband you don't leave. came here for school and then... I met him and came here, and I'm like, but I love it here. Like, yeah. This is something very, in know, the water. There is. There I mean, is. It's a great place it's to raise kids. It's, I mean, it's a great community. I feel like Louisville's just one of those places. I like to call it like the city that just hugs you. Like mm-hmm. anything you do, like, yeah, come on in. We got you. It's good. So, so supportive right. of yeah. its hometown people. It wants to lift you up. For mm-hmm. sure. I'm glad you're here. And yeah. there's a lot to do here Yeah. without the traffic of big cities. Like, mm. yeah, we could go buy a house in Nashville tomorrow. And and that would be a ton of fun. Shoot, we could about get to Broadway as fast leaving Louisville in two and a half hours than my buddies in Brentwood, yeah. 30 minutes south. You know, if they want to mm-hmm. go, they're 30 minutes south of Nashville or 25 minutes. If they want to go to a Predators game, they have to leave at like four and maybe beat the traffic. You know, it's like, it's crazy the commute times yeah. in these big cities with all the traffic where it's like, here, you can get downtown for a minutes. game in 20 minutes. Yeah. In, in any time, really. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that, that that allows you to do more, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's a great point. So you've, you've got two kids? We have two kids. Okay. Grace just turned four. Okay. So we had a Rapunzel birthday party at our house a couple Ooh, days ago. Great princess. Yeah, we did. Uh, we had Rapunzel come <gasps> to the house. We lit off lanterns at night. I uh, mean, no, you didn't. That's magical. That is adorable. Our son is screwed because we're not going to do this <laughs> stuff for him. I already said like he's getting like the bouncing around birthday parties where you do it out of the house. You don't right. clean up and all that. Mm-hmm. Grace's third birthday, she said she wanted. She likes horses and stuff we're in kentucky and so she we did like pony rides and stuff and then this year we did the rapunzel so it's like we're gonna like i want to keep making her birthdays like the fun like keep building it up (laughs) and then our son i'll just be like no you're fine would you rather have fun like (laughs) jumping around just go to someone else clean i agree like because i have two boys and the sweatier they are the happier they are right now, girls are a little bit different. They like to get a little sweaty, don't get me wrong, but they want they want the the yeah. stuff. They like mm-hmm. give me the frills, give me the glitter. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. Although don't go to build a bear. I'm just warning you, do not go to build a bear. Don't do it. We we've done it <laughs> once already. <laughs> like I can't. For no for a birthday party. We did oh, that with, gotcha. Luna, with Luna and I was like, never again. Never again. Never no. again. Why do you have a question? Two. Okay, so you're a girl dad and boy dad. Do you have a favorite Disney princess? A favorite Disney princess? Not necessarily. We, um, man, it's funny. I've never seen the movie Rapunzel, but I've read the book so many times <laughs> that I know like the entire story. And we don't right. have like 
I told my wife, I'm like, we need shorter versions of these. I'm like, these are 10, 15 minute reads at night yeah. when like uh, we're okay. trying to like get downstairs and watch a show. Yeah. And like, I'm reading this long book. You need there's a um, there's a collection of them. It's called Five Minute Bedtime Stories. We have, Do you have that. that one. Okay, because yep. that's that's a good like the um, cliff notes. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, this is good. Okay, I'm this still is, skipping yeah. parts in that. And <laughs> like, and she, she always notices. Oh, damn. I know. Last night we were reading some Dr. Seuss book and I tried to skip pages. She's like, you skipped something. I'm like, how do you know? I know. You can't read. Know. Said that. <laughs> they know. They're like, no, because the picture's on that one and you skipped ahead. That's not what the words say, daddy. Right. <laughs> I know. I know. So going back to the NFL. So after your transition, because I want to talk a lot about that. Yep. So as you're transitioning out of the NFL, what were some of the things you were going to try to avoid? That's a great question. So... I was not prepared to get out of the NFL. You know, in my mind, I was going to play two more seasons on my current contract. And if that point the Bills wanted to resign me and I wanted to retire, then I'm walking out of my own terms. Like, you wanted me back. My goal was to play so well that they wanted me back. But if I hung it up at that point, I could have. Now, knowing myself, I probably would have kept playing because mm-hmm. I I'm an optimist and like every year was like our Super Bowl year so I wouldn't <laughs> want to miss that one you know and um, but I was not ready to retire now they constantly warn you while you're playing like your identity cannot be in football you know if you're talking to the right people like make sure you have family and your faith or you're pursuing something outside of football as well so you can step into something well i always said i'm not going to pursue real estate and do that because i saw guys that do that and then they get cut immediately because they quit training Mm -hmm. they're not all in so i was like i'm all in on ball while i'm playing um and maybe if i want to do some like sports media stuff like i'll do some maybe some more interviews and whatnot which i kind of started to do towards the end of my career and i i made sure i treated all the media members extremely well just knowing i might want to get into that um but when your career is taken from you even me with two kids and a wife and i'm plugged in at southeast here and we owned a gym at the time it was tough losing ball and the hardest thing for me was when people would say well what are you going to do now I'm like, oh, I'm not sure yet. And they'd say, oh, you're, you're too young to be retired. I said, well, I didn't choose this. Too I bad. just don't know what's next. Yeah. I'm like, well, well uh, what do you want to do? I'm like, I'm, I'm not quite sure yet. We'll see. And it was just like that built. So, I, I never had anxiety in my life. And all of a sudden, I started walking around our house with anxiety every day. And I'd go up to our gym and work out at 630 and get back before the kids woke up. And, you know, I thought I needed to be like, well, if I have this time right now, I need to be spending so much time with the kids. So I would try and, like, schedule my workouts, you know, in the morning. And then some meetings or lunches around their nap time and all that. Well, I couldn't sit down at the house because when I was playing, I was recovering from a workout if I was sitting around. Well, like what's there to recover for now like go do something you got this house that Mm -hmm. stuff needs to be done stuff needs to be clean go play with the kids go do this and my wife would be like you spent the whole day and like literally didn't sit down I'm (laughs) like I know it's I can't it's like I had this anxiety in me like I need to be doing something I just don't know what and so for about a year I was trying to figure it out and you know I'm not Tony Romo or Jason Witten where I'm just gonna like transition to Monday Night Football last year I did a few pregame shows, and I, I called one game for Fox College Football Thanksgiving week, which Thanksgiving week no one wants to work. That's why I got to do the gig, you know. But I get it. That's fine. I'll I'll, I'll step yeah. up, and uh, which which ended up paying off. I had an audition with Fox, an audition with ESPN, so I had some things going, but it was nothing concrete. Um, which I know you asked me what I wanted to avoid. That kind of led me to starting my own podcast, and, and I'm sure we would get to that. Um, but I, I was like, I just need to create some content. You know, I need to like put something out there and 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 figure it all out because right now, like what I'm doing is not working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So okay, so you did some interviewing, you did some like analysts. Was that something that you're like, hmm, all right, I really like this. I mean, this could be something I want to do down the road, or is that something that really just kind of fell in your lap and you're like, maybe I can cultivate this. I always had an interest in it because I wanted to be involved in sports and I don't want to work coaching hours. You know, coaching in the NFL and college is so many hours that I just truly feel like some people can, but I can't be the dad and husband I want to be and continue to make an impact on my community at church and wherever else if I'm doing that. So to me, um, I want to be around the game, but without being able to play and without being able to coach, 
announcing allows me to kind of be in the football circles. I get to have football conversations. I'm around the environments, which is like invigorating me and, and, and you're around it and you have to prep and you get real grades afterwards. You know, they will be hard on you if you screw something up or if you're not talking back to them during the game, telling them what replays you want, like they are on you. So it's fun. It's challenging, but I can still be involved with sports. So mm-hmm. in the short term, I'm going to go all in this fall. I'm doing ACC network for TV and then I'm doing the Bills radio analyst, so I'll be at every Bills home and away game. So that's 20 games preseason and regular season, and then hopefully four more in the playoffs and Super Bowl, and then every exactly I love optimist. It. <laughs> I and love then, optimism. <laughs> I think you should life. always be optimistic like that. For sure. I mean, why not? Why not? What's yeah. it gonna hurt? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then um, through ACC Network, I have. 40 appearances I need to do for them as well. Where are you going to fit all this in? I, I'm just, I'm very concerned I'm now. I'm going to reach out to your <laughs> wife. I'm going to bake her a casserole. Right. I'm going to give Be her like, a high five. Because she's going to hold it down. Because she's going to have awesome, the kids over for play awesome to help with that. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so yeah. much yeah. going to be great. I accepted the ACC one first. Mm-hmm. And I was like, finally got like a real gig offered. ESPN owns ACC. And um, a lot of the guys that have done SEC Network through ESPN, you know, Booger McFarland's now on Monday Night Football, and I'm like, man, that's a really good opportunity. I got to take that, and and that was kind of what I was um, looking towards. Mm-hmm. Well, these radio analyst gigs with these NFL teams, they only come up every once in a while. The guy who had it in Buffalo uh, prior to me was a former player, and he had it for 13 years. Wow. The guy in Cincinnati, Dave Lapham, has been doing it forever. Like since I was a kid, I've been listening to him on the radio. So these mm-hmm. never come about. Mm-hmm. And the Bills asked my interest in it, and I was like, I'm definitely interested, but I already accepted this gig with ACC Network. I don't know if the contract's fully done yet. Let me check on it. And um, the Bills were like, if you did both, you could double dip on experience while other guys are only uh, progressing you know, through the season with one gig. You can get double the experience, double the exposure, and probably progress at twice the rate. We think it'd be a good thing, so they ESPN... And the Bills kind of collaborated and said, hey, it would probably be beneficial for both of us if we can make it work. So for most weeks during the season, I'll show up at a college city on Thursday and go Thursday, Friday morning meetings and all that for the production of the TV deal on Saturday, which I can't do a late game on Saturday, so it'll be mostly Saturday mornings, and then fly that afternoon to wherever, say, the Bills are in. And then if it's a home game, I have to do media work in Buffalo Monday. If it's an away game, I'll probably get back Sunday night and then get back to town either Sunday night and, or Monday and night. Then and then that Thursday again. Yeah, right? That's, it's very yeah. exciting. I'm so happy that you're a yes person because I think th- what I'm hearing is of the overarching, like you're super optimistic and you're just yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and, and that's one thing I, I have to be careful with though, um, is saying yes to some stuff, you know, I'll get, someone will reach out about a golf tournament in the summer, a charity, a golf event. They'll reach out in February and I'll look at my schedule and in the past, I would always just commit. Yeah, I'm open. I'm free. Let's do it. Well, that's a six-hour time commitment generally. Well, the week before, someone else will reach out and say, hey, do you want to grab lunch with so-and-so? Or, hey, you know, maybe my parents want to co- you know, want to come down from Cincinnati or whatever it may be. So now I've started being like, okay, if it's not an A or an A-plus commitment, like I am not committing to that too far out. You know, reach out to me a week or two prior, and I would love to commit if I can. Mm-hmm. And like, getting my letting my yes be yes and my no be no is like something I've really had to work on lately. Because when I was playing, I just didn't have that many commitments outside of football. So if I was free, it wasn't that big of a deal. And now it's like, you really got to be careful, especially as the kids. You know, they're four and one and a half. Uh, you know, I understand we're not in the sports stage yet and all that where. They, their schedules get crazy busy mm-hmm. but like I like picking our little girl up from preschool from time to time and I like taking her on little sushi and pedicure dates and that kind of stuff and I can just completely fill my schedule with stuff that like I'm not even really that into but I'm saying yes to stuff and and then I'm taking away all those moments just because I'm afraid to have like white space in my calendar yeah right. we call that protecting the yeses mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. gotta protect them absolutely well and I love that you've been able to find that perspective at such a young age because I feel like it takes a lot of people a long time or like a burnout before they're like I could have just said no a long time ago and saved myself so much anxiety and stress and you know all the things that come with it but it's it's great that you see that now and you're like no 
Yeah, I started working with a life coach about two years ago who's based out of California. And um, he's an executive coach. I was a buddy's accountability partner through this life coach. And um, this is while I was still playing. And I said, you know, I, I'm still playing. I don't need like, I'm not gonna like build a business or anything where I need like executive leadership skills or mm -hmm. whatever it may be, uh, business development skills. I said, but what, if we started working together tomorrow, where would we start? And he said, well, like, I think you need a little bit more direction in your life. Like you need to figure out like where you want to go and not just run. He's like, I feel like you're running on autopilot. He said, so he's like, you know, let's say 15 years down the road, your daughter is going to introduce you to her high school and you're going to give a speech. How does she introduce you? What does she say? And I was like, that's a good question. He said, well, does she say, you know, this is my dad, Eric. Um, he played pro football. He built a big business. He's super successful you're gonna learn so much here today. Or, this is my dad, he played professional football, but he's my best friend, he was at every sporting event, you know, he's the most loving dad, you're gonna learn a lot from him today. Like, those are two great answers. Mm -hmm. But just like, figure out where you wanna be and go towards that and not just like, maybe get there by accident. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, that's good. That's some great yeah, advice. Yeah, so I work, really I, I work with him like, and so during, when I was playing, we were doing like a lot of leadership exercises and, and that type of stuff that would benefit me on the field. We would do like weekly check-ins or checkups on like how I played, why I maybe played bad, what did I eat that week, how did I sleep, how were the kids sleeping, were you stretched out, whatever it may be, like identify things that I wouldn't have like thought about naturally. And then as I transitioned out, again, by happenstance, I started working with this guy four months before my career ends. And then I go through this crazy transition that was unexpected. And he's got me thinking like, okay, well, how are you going to use this to impact others? How, you know, don't feel sorry for yourself. You played nine years, you know, mm -hmm. like man, think about where you came from and let's not think about what could have been like, appreciate what. Right. So it was like, it's, it's, I got lucky that I, I've had, I've been surrounded by just unbelievable guys here in Louisville and then even nationally that have just poured into me. So you got some great advice. What advice would you give to people, not just transitioning from a pro sport or a sport necessarily, what would you give those people out there that are maybe transitioning in life? Man, so the, we touch on this on my podcast. I'll plug it now. What's next with Eric Wood? <laughs> we, I try and interview guys that have transitioned in a number of different realms. You know, we've had Michael Ray, who was up for Newcomer of the Year in country music this year, who's marrying... Carly Pierce, who was also up for Newcomer of the Year, well, a year ago he was living in an apartment with five guys. Now they have a house together on the cover of People magazine. Like, that's a transition. Wow. Like, you have to be very intentional about how you treat, like, make sure you're still treating people the same way and all that. Like, that's a transition. And then I've talked to guys that have retired from sports and whatnot. But, you know, in any transition in life, I think having a positive attitude is always key. You know, I, I'm a Christian. I think being grounded in your faith or some type of spirituality, having, I'm big on morning routines, like setting up each day so you're not just like rushing into the day or, or whatever it may be. But there's just little practices like that. But, but I think mainly being positive, um, staying motivated. You know, it, it's easy. I call it the who gives a crap. Like when I, when my career ended, I was like, well, why work out today? Who gives a crap? Like, what's it matter? why do this like it, it really doesn't matter you have to figure out your why and then stay motivated mm -hmm. find find things you're working towards whatever it may be and, and it may just be like you know i, I met Brittany doing yoga well, i'm trying to do yoga so that i can stay limber and stay feeling good so that i can stay active and which is fulfilling to me but hopefully fulfilling for my kids for many years down the line that's great i love it let's talk about the podcast I know, a little but... bit I hope some of our listeners take a beat and listen to this because it is a really great podcast. I appreciate it. Not only do you have a great speaking voice, but you have on some great guests and you and you talk about a lot of transitions. Uh, so how long ago, when did you start? I started it in January and at the time I had no job offers and my thing was, well, I'm just going to create some content. And, you know, my goal wasn't to have a top 10 podcast and still isn't. You know, it's not about crazy monetization or anything it's about creating valuable content and at that point if people tune in and hopefully they will and the numbers say you know people are tuning in so i'm yeah. not completely wasting my time and we do have sponsors so it's not necessarily costing me money either but i wanted to create valuable content and um 
but also content I was proud of. Like I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, you can say whatever you want on here. You can cuss and all that. It's going to be like a quick, like, like Michael Ray said, shit, 50 times. Well, it was just like, it, you can hardly tell that you're editing out, but like my kids will listen to that one day. And like, I, I could have made a lot of headways and me and Richie incognito could have told a lot of good stories, <laughs> but like at what cost, you know? Yeah. So I wanted to create some valuable content and I'm not sure probably coincidentally with timing, but all of a sudden job offers kind of start rolling in and some more national media requests for interviews and whatnot started rolling in. So, um, it worked out and I've enjoyed it. I just like having fun conversations. Like I, I'm enjoying having this conversation with you guys. I enjoy learning, um, picking people's brains, finding out about them, hearing different perspectives. And, and it's given me like in the past few months, we've had pro football player, country music singer, former pro baseball player, a pastor at Southeast will be next, um, a former Navy SEAL, you know, athletic director. Athletic director at University mm-hmm. of Louisville. You know, it's like I'm going to have so many different people on there that hopefully people can from people can realize you can learn something from anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes. That, and that, I feel like you've got to be open to just receiving information and receiving like energy from people. Absolutely. And I feel like you can get energy through a podcast too. Like you're like, oh, they're totally having a good time today. You I mean you just kind yes. of feel like the excitement that's going around and um, and I, I I definitely picked that up on the couple episodes that I've listened to. Like you can tell people that you're talking to are super engaged and you guys are having a good time and like you can just tell there's good energy in the room mm-hmm. when you guys are talking. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's a great one. Mm-hmm. It's a great Thank one. You. And I totally agree with the podcast. I mean if you're entering into the podcast realm, which I read a really funny meme a couple months ago, it's like podcast is the new lower back tattoo, which I mean, <laughs> maybe it is, but That's people are, want to hear stories. They mm-hmm. want to not only tell their story, but they want to listen to yours and I, or just anyone's. And this is, this media is never, is not going away anytime soon. Right. So it's not about the numbers. It's about what you said, like putting those stories out there, being the most authentic you, um, and then, and then honoring that and honoring the time. And I, that's why we did it. Yeah. We really didn't care if we had one listener or eight hundred. Well, it's great to have that. (laughs) And on your thing about the lower back tattoo, it's like, yes, (laughs) lower back tattoo you may regret it sometime and you may be a different person, but I got a buddy that has a couple really bad tattoos and I'm like, do you regret those? And he's like, no, they remind me of a time in my life mm, when I really yeah. wanted that. And it rem- and like, I enjoy thinking about those times. Yeah. So if one day I look back like, man, my interview skills were terrible. Man, I, I wasted an opportunity to really have an excellent interview with Vince Tyra or whoever it may be. It's like, but that was me at the time. Who yeah, cares? Absolutely. I know. We, we, if you go back and you listen to like your first podcast, you're, it's almost embarrassing. I mean, I remember like Cringe. closing my eyes. I'm like, I know I can't see what's going on, but it was so cringeworthy because Cringe. we were we were so new. And to see like the steps that we've come, you know, to this point, it's like, man, we've come a long way. But I wouldn't trade any of that. I don't want to delete anything that we've ever done just because it's embarrassing. I mean, it's growth. Like I'm right. not embarrassed of mistakes i'm thankful for them i mean you have to be if you want to keep going you know in this direction but it is funny when you look back you're like ooh, right (laughs) oh oh some of those early days i'm like oh yeah and i was so afraid to like get past that like 30 35 minutes early on because i was like ah i don't think anyone will tune in and now they just keep getting longer and longer i'm like i don't care i'm getting so much valuable information for me someone else will think it's valuable and uh and and, but i i wish i would have done longer ones earlier now Mm -hmm. and just not cared if people thought well that's not a commute so i'm not going to listen to it they will where do you um where do you see like what's next for what's next like where do you want it to go you know just keep expanding and just keep getting a variety of guests where i'm learning so the premise of it is what's next with eric wood like i don't know what's next for me come on this journey with me while i learn from these Mm -hmm. people that i've identified as people that i want to learn from Mm -hmm. just continue that and and i'm sure through the broadcasting i'll meet different people and and i have a list of like possible guests on my phone a lot of some people i I don't even know Mm -hmm. i don't have their number Mm -hmm. but like that they've been earmarked as somebody who I would like to get on the show at some point and we'll see if that works out but you know doing one every two weeks isn't overwhelming for me either and um and if anything it kind of stretches me mentally during this time of like 
you know, I have this very busy four months coming up during the football season, but I don't have anything necessarily that stretches me very hard mentally right now. So it makes me prep. Mm-hmm. And and like you all were saying, hey, I read these articles in advance and whatnot. I'm doing the same thing, and it, and it kind of stretches you. Well, if you ever get Desmond Howard in on your show, can I just sit? I'll just be quiet in the background. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> College game day is like my favorite thing to do on Saturday at the Wood. Um, but true. do you have a uh, like a a dream guest or like someone you're like, dude, I totally wish this person would be on the show? So. Um, there's a few. So one of the first books that so I got into reading probably maybe eight or nine years ago. I heard Ken Lola, the old soccer coach at U of L, speak Ken at um, he spoke he spoke at Man Challenge at Southeast, and he said if you read 15 minutes a day, it puts you in the top one percent of the most well-read people in the world after five or ten years. I'm like, well, that's, I could do that. that. Yeah, I'm like that's not a huge commitment. So. From that meeting, I went to work out of L, run into him and his soccer team, and I just went up to him and said, man, you did an excellent job this morning. I just want to let you know that. We exchanged email addresses, and I said, hey, if I was going to get started into reading, where would you start? And he said, start with The Energy Bus by John Gordon. And it's a great book. <laughs> so, and I've read that, a number of his books. We have the Energy Bus book, children's book mm-hmm. for our kids now. And um, I just got his number from a buddy. And he spoke with the Bills. I met him there. And I'm hoping, like, one day I'd like to get him on. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and then, like, a number of sports people would be cool. I mean, you know, if I could go back and, you know, get, like, you know, Anthony Munoz was a big NFL guy in Cincinnati when I was growing up. Or Ken Griffey Jr., who I idolized as a kid. Or some of those guys would be really cool. Um, but it's funny. I, in my mind, it's like, like Bob Russell will release Monday, who built Southeast Christian Church. Mm-hmm. That podcast, like on being a dad and a husband, and the lessons that he gave are just like gold. So it's funny, like a preacher ended up like I ended up getting so much out of that. Not not even in a spiritual sense. It, there's a lot of like secular topics we talked about, and I, I ended up getting as much out of that, or probably more than even any of my other guests. Yeah. Wow. Great. I'm so excited for your podcast. I do. I appreciate it. So I love it. What's next? I do too. I think it's, of it. it's clever. It is very clever. Mm-hmm. Okay. So speaking of steps forward, you recently stepped into the studio. That's yep. how we met. We just referenced that a couple minutes ago. So how has yoga helped you transition in life? What and how long it, have you been doing? Yes. Like how long ago was that? So I did some yoga early in my NFL career. And when I kept getting hurt, I saw this specialist up in Minnesota that was like, ooh, be careful doing yoga because you're going to get your body flexible outside of its stable ranges. And he wasn't saying that was the only reason I was getting hurt, but he just said, guys that are fairly loose in general don't necessarily need yoga because you're going to, you're not going to be stable at those end ranges that you're going to now be able to get into. So I kind of gave it up for a while. And then recently I got back into it. Someone referred me to Bend and Zen and doing the hot yoga. And when I looked at the class list, it was like, well, I'm not like a beginner level, but I'm not an expert. I'm like, let's do the core class. So I always <laughs> end up seeing Brittany at the core class. And I might do it one or two times a week, but for me, it keeps me loose. I never feel better than when I'm leaving the studio after a cold shower and I'm walking to my car. I'm like, man, my body feels incredible right now. Mm-hmm. I got my wife into it now, so um, I believe our babysitter's canceling tomorrow. So she'll probably be there. But we've been doing that together for a few weeks now, which I gives love us a couple that it just together. It just kind of gives us something else to do, you know, on our own. And uh, but I've loved it. And um, man, and, and I'm, I, I I generally do breathing exercises or meditation most mornings. So that kind of like takes the place of both mm-hmm. and gives me a workout so I can like kind of uh, double dip mm-hmm. yeah. in that hour class. That's no, great. I love your commitment. But so you're a bigger guy. We can't see you, but you're 6'4". Okay. <laughs> 260. Right. Yeah. What mat do you use? So I ordered a mat off of Amazon because I've had knee injuries. And one of the things is like kneeling on hardwood will crush my knees. So I ordered this thick mat off of Amazon and it works well, but my issue with it is for balance, it's like using one of those rehab pads. It's Mm -hmm. like half the time I'm like, so I think I'm probably going to switch out to a thinner mat only because 
now as I, I'm kind of getting competitive with yoga, like I want to be able to hold a pose and not have to like constantly be stabilizing my ankle on this thick yoga mat. So I may make the switch here soon. I have one for suggest, you. yeah, the life form mat is okay. exceptional and they make it in a tall. Yes. Perfect. Which is great. And they have variance in thickness. But what's cool about this mat is like most yoga mats, when you get on it, you feel like the squish and then that's when you're like, I feel really wobbly. Mm-hmm. This, it, the stabilizing materials that they are using is like none other. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we both use them. We have them here. You that's the one I, it out, that's the one I use. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, it's super moisture absorbent. Mm-hmm. So if you're, since you're in the hot yoga, this is actually, this is a huge plug for this. I mat. know. Whoops. I know. <laughs> but I will tell you, uh, it has changed the yoga game for both of us. Even mm-hmm. Dan, Shannon's husband uses one. Highly recommend it. You don't uh, you even, even need, try mine out. Yeah, you don't even need like a yoga towel nope. on top of it because it absorbs. And wow. they recommend you don't even clean it. Like every 10 times is when you need to do it because it has microbacterial um, properties in the mat. So it's cleaning itself while you're doing your work. Say and the name of it one more time. Life for me. Oh, I call it life form. She calls it life for me. They say it both ways on the okay, website. Okay, so it ends so in the knee. Okay, I got yeah. you. Yeah, if you Google so, that, it, yeah. it'll pop up. <laughs> but it is too... <laughs> too we go back and forth. And I'm like, potato, it, potato, it looks like same. life for me. And I'm just like, that's... I don't know. But when I like when you go to the website, there's it like a video and it says form. life form. So I'm like, well, I feel like they say it that way, but I don't know. <laughs> I know that they, <laughs> it'll go down in history. And it has yeah, a life. It has a life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we have loved you being Wait, in the studio. Wait, we've got to ask questions. I know. Oh, okay. gonna go there. <laughs> like, don't forget the questions. I need to know. Girl, this is episode 72, and you are like, acting like it's this too. I know. I know. We'll so we're, we're talking about uh, transitioning into this. So here's our... I've got a question. Or okay. which no, question do you have? You can go first. Okay. What is your favorite emoji? My most used emoji is probably either the crying laughing face or like the red face with the bright eyes. Oh, you know? the embarrassed. Uh, like, yeah, like, uh-oh. Oh. And those are both, like, generally back to my wife. Like, yeah. she's like, yeah, I just got smacked in the face by our one-year-old, and I'll just send back, like, uh-oh, sorry. Oops. Don't really know what to say. Well, I'm sorry. over here. Yeah. If you need me. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I'm in the crowd chamber. Right. <laughs> just cooling down. I think you need a freezy face. Yeah, it's exactly. true. And they do have the freezy yeah, face. Yeah, they do. That is true. Um, okay, so if you had to only pick one, would you be team Netflix or team Amazon? And let's explain this. Right. So Amazon Video or? Amazon. Any Amazon. All yeah. the services. All the services. Oh, then the Amazon services. for sure. Okay. He's in the thick of it yeah. right now. Because I, I'd never go to the store for anything anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean... The convenience of Amazon to me is just, it's, but it's the only issue is now we have the guys come to the house three times a day delivering boxes <laughs> and it'll be like one thing of pill supplements and he's delivering a box and then the dog barks, you know, it's like, yeah, wow. they do have um, Amazon lockers now mm-hmm. so you can get your own Amazon locker and then you just have to make one trip. You know, or they can drop it off there and have one person like bring it to you. So, gotcha. I get my mail every day. There is I know. no way I'm checking that locker. <laughs> and then right. like we go and it's like like <laughs> flooding. They're just like jamming it into the locker. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I mean, they would yeah. not use the big boxes. I get it because I'm like, why do we have all these huge boxes? I know. I like the the envelope. Like me that's, too. I just, mm-hmm. the more you can send me in an envelope, I feel like this is. The envelope's great, but there's one envelope they send where if you rip it, all the styrofoam pops it, out. Confetti. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, like, surprises me every time I do it. I know. <laughs> and that's, like, a recent one for us. Like, I'm like, why is yeah. this envelope? I'm like, I need the white one. Yes. Yeah. I need the white one. Yeah, with <laughs> the perforated, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's easy to ship back if you need to. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, we've yeah. loved having you here. No, yeah. thank you guys very much for coming Can we come back and see on. us? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like there's a lot we need to cover in well, episode two. I want to talk about when you come back um, after you've done NFL and college Analysis. I need to. T- I need to hear all about this. Like, yep, and I you probably need to hear need, how you're going to survive Yeah, this. we'll we'll get Leslie on a mic too, and and get her experience of yeah. this fall. Yes, which she okayed. Such a good idea. She okayed. Of course, doing she did. both of them. Yeah, and I mean, guys in the NFL work so many hours that you see outside of Sunday. So she's used to me being gone and traveling and all that. It, you know, for a while last thought not that we ever got tired of each other, but it was different. Me being at the house all the time. It's, that's a transition for her as well. Absolutely. And so not that she was ready to get rid of me, but she knows that like, I need to be fulfilled by like being challenged, mm-hmm. being out of the house. So she gets that. 
but we'll see after this fall. Like, and we've said, I said, you know, if it's too much, I'll either find something else, give one of them up. We'll see. Um, you know, we'll analyze it after the year, but I'm going to have to be very intentional throughout the season of, and we do a weekly day night, like trying to keep our things the same mm-hmm. and then, but I'm still just gone on the weekends. Yeah. Don't worry, girl. Hey, we all love a part-time husband. Right. <laughs> it works out great. <laughs> just get her yoga in. Mm-hmm. We'll check in on her. Mm-hmm. It'll be great. She's just good support system. Good We're deal. lucky to have her. Yeah. All right. Oh, and how can our listeners find you? So I am on Instagram and Twitter at ewood70, and then obviously the podcast at What's Next with Eric Wood. All right. Check you later. Thanks for sharing your time with us. Help keep the CZL momentum going by rating our podcast and writing a review. If you love what you heard in today's episode, snap a screenshot and post it to your Instagram stories. Don't forget to tag us.